back to South of the Line Sports. I'm your host, Austin Wright. Alongside me is Sebastian Jones and What's Michael up, Lenahan. What's up? This is sick, man. Another podcast, another great week of SEC football, another high-scoring week of SEC football. I mean, the games I watched were didn't look like a whole lot of defense. Kind of looked like the Big 12, not going to lie. Not a single team, granted there were only six, scored less than 35 points this week. That's absolutely insane. I mean, it was a great day for offense. It was a great day for quarterbacks, actually, <laughs> when you look at it. I mean, some great performances by some of the league's best best quarterbacks. But, I mean, it was a lot of fun to watch, and I'm really excited for this week's games. And then even the next week, you got rivalry weekend. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a great week for SEC, what they got coming up, you know. I mean, I think that Ole Miss and uh, – Kentucky and Florida, they all showed why they belong in the SEC for their offenses, at least. Maybe not quite so much on their defenses, but for the most part, all of them were humming whenever they were playing. Absolutely. And, and it was a little bit it was a little bit different than what you may have expected from a coach's point of view. I mean, there's I mean, Dan Mullen is he's a pretty innovative coach, but he's a lot of the teams he's he's coached a lot of these Florida teams have been big defensively, right? And Kentucky's identity for the last three or four years has been all about defense. I mean, look at look at the Mississippi State game earlier this year. They gave up they gave up what two points. Um their identity has been defense. So the only one that really was was about on par for me was was Ole Miss. Like you get Lane Kiffin as your coach. It's gonna be it's gonna be all offense. It's gonna be a lot of unique looks and it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. And Matt Corral had a great game. But before we get into that, um, I do want to give a little bit of a disclaimer for the listener. None of us are recording this in person. And by that, I mean, we are all through Zoom right now. And we know the audio quality isn't great. So thank you for bearing with us through this because it, it, it'll get better as we, as we get some more in-person stuff going. But right now, we're, we're all in, all, all three of us right here, uh, myself, Austin, and Michael, we're all hundreds of miles away from each other so we're doing this over zoom so thank you guys for bearing with us through this this uh audio escapade as it may be um but michael i think i think uh if you may be a little bit glad that uh tennessee didn't play this weekend i'm upset i mean <laughs> we were about to cop a dub it was it Against was gonna A&M? great i was gonna rush the field and, okay, just like Notre Dame during COVID, do you see all the backlash they got for that? Oh my gosh, that was oh, absolutely. Everybody crazy. was posting about that. That seems like everything I saw, and hate to stray outside the conference at all, but um, it was two weeks ago now. That was a great game, but Michael, I would have loved to see Tennessee upset A and M before they come to Auburn and lose next week. That would have been great. Uh, see, that's where you're wrong, my friend. Because because Tennessee was going to lose both games, right? No, no. <laughs> was about to cop two dubs, and you were going to be crying, and it would have been great. I there are no tears left to time. cry as an Auburn football fan. There are no tears left to cry. Yeah, you always feel like you're almost there, and then it's not enough. See, uh, but Tennessee feels like they're there for preseason, and then they get about three games in, they're like, well, there goes the SEC title. Hey, we'll talk about okay. that later. We'll talk about if, if Jeremy Pruitt's still gonna be still gonna be around later when we get to our uh, hot seat segment. But for right now, I think we we should go ahead and launch into our week recap segment. Of course, the first and probably most exciting game. I mean, crazy enough was Vanderbilt 
at Kentucky. Then Kentucky ended up winning 38-35. Not none of us. I, I think we I'm, all said I did. I'm just gonna say not to toot my own horn. I don't think you did say something about the Vandy Kentucky game. I didn't. I want to go listen to that pod, Sebastian. I don't think even you thought it was gonna be that close, though. Three points. No, I would have never thought it was that close. But I I told you, you you did pick Vanderbilt uh, against the spread, though. I do remember you picked Vanderbilt, and that spread was was pretty large. And I think we all thought it was justified. That was Vanderbilt, or it was Kentucky minus seventeen and a half. <laughs> great teams yeah. cover you by great teams. I'm just saying we're both talking cover. about 0-6 Vandy. 0-6 right? Like, come on now. Come on now. But that I will hey, say for all those who bet on Vandy, they made some money. I will say Vanderbilt is trending in the right direction. And I think that's that's great for them, but I don't think that's good enough for them to win any games this year. I mean, they just lost they lost their last two games by a combined ten points. That's not terrible. That's not as bad as the Vanderbilt we saw earlier in the year. Um, but I mean, but at the end of the day, it's those two numbers. At the end of the day, the hyphen at the it. end of the day, it doesn't matter at all. You're absolutely right. But I mean, even Ken Seals looked a whole lot better in this game. He threw for 225 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's that's a pretty that's a pretty good game for a true freshman quarterback on the road in the SEC. I think you have to be optimistic if you're a Vanderbilt fan about that. But if you're Kentucky, you're happy to get another win, move to three and four on the season. Um, you'd still have a chance at 500 this year. I mean, that's that's great, especially the way you started out your season. That's absolutely amazing. They've really turned stuff around. They got um, an impressive win over Mississippi State earlier in the season um, and a big win over, in, over Tennessee, and they've been looking to kind of take the next step offensively and then dropping 38 against, I mean, honestly, a not great Vanderbilt defense. But to score 38 points in a game, you have to be optimistic. And Terry Wilson had had a really good game. I mean, only two incompletions, um, 110 yards passing, two touchdowns, and 83 yards rushing. I mean, that's it's really good. And, and Kentucky rushed for almost 300 yards in this game. Yeah, that's, Christopher Rodriguez crazy. had 149 on his own. Yeah, he had a, he had a 74-yard touchdown on the ground. I think if you're Vanderbilt, you're mm-hmm. thinking, hey, we don't give up a couple of those big plays and we win the game. I mean, Terry Wilson had a 32-yard scramble midway through the game, too. So it's Vanderbilt. If you're Vanderbilt, you're like, we're we're almost there. We're absolutely almost there. If you're Kentucky, you're happy to get out with another win. So I think there's positives for both teams, as much positives as you can get after a loss. But then on the not-so-positive side, Arkansas got beat by 28 on the road at Florida. Um, I will be the first to admit I was dead wrong when I thought Arkansas was going to cover. I thought, I thought last week Arkansas's, or Arkansas is 6-0 against the spread. It's a, it's a huge line. It was, I think it was 17 or 17 and a half, just like Vanderbilt, Kentucky. And I thought, there is no way. Felipe Frank's revenge game, Arkansas is 6-0 against the spread this season. They're definitely going to find a way to make it close. And for the first 12 minutes, they did. And that was about it. Um, Kyle, Kyle Trask threw for 356 yards, six touchdowns and a pick. Felipe Franks had a, had a great game threw for 250 yards, two touchdowns and no interceptions. Yeah, he did. All things considered, he, uh, Felipe Franks actually did have a pretty good game. It's just a matter of like, you know what? Florida just outplayed him on offense and more. Arkansas's defense really just could not find a stop. And Michael, these, I think you were, yeah, you had something to say. These second quarters from Florida 
have been dominant in these past two weeks. I mean, they did the same thing to Arkansas as they did to Georgia, and they just took over in the second quarter. I don't know what I what agree they with do you. I think between the first and second quarter, the mark but. of a great team is the ability to make adjustments midway through a game and figure out how to win. I mean, Arkansas was playing with Florida for the first quarter and a half ish, and Florida turned it on, and it was a blowout. Same with Georgia. Same with every game, really, except for Texas A&M so far this year for Florida. And I think my comparison for them is, as as crazy as it sounds, is the 2019-2020 Kansas City Chiefs. That's a team that was down big in a couple games in the postseason and made defensive adjustments or just adjustments in general in the second half, came back and won games behind a high-powered offense. And no, I don't think Kyle Trask is is going to be the next Patrick Mahomes. I think the fact that he's a Heisman candidate is great. I think that's awesome. I think he's absolutely deserving of it. But this team, I think, has a lot of similarities. Is it too early to say Trask is going to win the Heisman? I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's too early. I mean, we're getting to the part I of the mean, season where that stuff's going to start coming out. I mean, college football playoff rankings come out on Wednesday, I think. So I guess it's not too early. I think he moved up to fourth in the odds this week too. So I think there's a good chance that if they if they beat Alabama and he plays well, I think that's going to be the Heisman. That'll be it, right there. That'll be it. That'll be the crown piece. I mean, yeah. You you just have to look at his stats as a whole, the teams that he's played, his ability to absolutely dominate every team that he's played so far. Of course, with the exception being A and M. But you know what? The Florida Gators are pretty good. Cal Trask, he's the reason why. And well, I think he does need to be in the Heisman conversation. I think so, absolutely. And I think, really, you, you look at the stats for, for the two games we've already talked about, and it's, it's really apparent so far in both of these games that, honestly, it doesn't really matter what – what the big bold stats are because you look at this let's let's hop back to the Vanderbilt Kentucky game Vanderbilt was better or as good in every category except for yards per rush against against Kentucky time of possession won by about five minutes yards per pass were were a yard less but close enough to where it wasn't a huge difference third down efficiency Vanderbilt 11 for 17 Kentucky three for eight Vanderbilt on first downs 29. Kentucky 23. It it honestly really doesn't look like it matters that much. I mean, I there's no real rhyme or reason to a lot of these games. It just seems like star players are getting it done in big ways so far this season. I would have to agree with you there. And it's it's big plays. I mean, obviously your big plays are going to come from your star players, but just overall explosive plays have been uh, – momentum swings in a lot of these games which is natural for football but uh it's defying what we're looking at on uh in terms of the stats so i guess that's just been it's been different and and i think that's absolutely telltale this season of college football in general but how much can we attribute the offense to being good offense and improved offense throughout the SEC, and how much can we attribute it to being worse in defense due to COVID protocols and maybe not having camps and not being able to tackle for as long before you start the season? 
Uh, I think we can attribute a lot of that to COVID because your defense, your defensive schemes, uh, everyone has to be doing everything perfectly or an explosive play is going to happen. 11 out of 11 players on that field have to be perfect in order to prevent the offense from uh, scoring or having an explosive play. So when you're rusty or don't have as much practice, you're going to see a lack of discipline on that defensive end. So I think that uh, the COVID protocols has really played a large part in this explosion, this explosion in offense in the SEC. Absolutely. And speaking of an explosion of offense, uh, South Carolina went to Ole Miss last weekend. Um, there was a combined 101 points scored in this game. Ole Miss ended up winning uh, 59-42, held off South Carolina throughout the game. It was a little bit closer than the score indicates that that game was actually pretty close um, for a little while. But talking about explosion of offense for for um, for Ole Miss, uh, Matt Corral and, and South Carolina, but Matt Corral went 28 for 32, 513 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, I don't know. I can't pin him down. I mean, if he's either going to throw six interceptions or he's going to throw four touchdowns and no interceptions and for 500 yards, I, I'm at a loss. I, I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to think of Kyle or of, of uh, Matt Corral. Well, I know that I, uh, I picked the wrong team thrown for 500 yards. Definitely shouldn't have been Kentucky. Should have thrown it on Ole Miss this week. <laughs> Maybe Kentucky rushing for 500 yards. That was, that was pretty close actually. Um, but on the other end, for South Carolina, uh, Harris, their running back, had 25 carries for 243 yards and five touchdowns. So a lone bright spot and a very kind of abysmal season outside of their one win against number 15 Auburn early in the season. Um, kind of kind of a bright spot this year. Harris has been kind of a bright spot this year. And um, Obviously, everyone knows by now that uh, Will Muschamp has been fired as a South Carolina coach. We will talk about that later. But really, a bright spot on the weekend was South Carolina's ability to run the ball against not a great Ole Miss defense by any by any uh, stretch of the imagination. But just to have that kind of offensive success is still still nice once in a while. Yeah, no, it for sure is, especially considering that, I mean, whenever you face a team like Ole Miss whose defense just – really doesn't have quite enough pieces to get it together. I mean, you know that you're going to have a field day down there, and that's the only way you can keep up with a team like Ole Miss. You just have to score as many points as they do, just like that Absolutely. going back and forth in a track meet. And South Carolina, unfortunately, couldn't score 59 points, which would have been absolutely crazy if both teams had scored that much points. But it was just looking back at, at this weekend, I mean – Arkansas and Florida combined for 98 points. Um, Kentucky and Vandy combined for, what, 73 points. Like, these are really high-scoring games and really exciting to watch. Um, I hope Auburn doesn't give up 35 points to Tennessee next weekend because, let's be honest, they probably won't win if they give up 35 points. (laughs) But um, this pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy slate this weekend. Any closing thoughts from you guys? Uh, I'm just going to bring it back to that South Carolina Ole Miss game. I mean, South Carolina was up with 1250 
in the fourth, and then they turn around and lose by twenty one. Well, they didn't. I, they give up. Mm-hmm. They give up three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Am I mistaken? Yeah. No. They, yeah, they did. They gave up twenty one. I don't think you. I think what you're trying to say, get at Michaels. I don't think you can expect to win when you give up twenty one points in the fourth quarter. No, and can we expect Will Muschamp to get a head coaching job anytime soon? Absolutely not. Absolutely, and unfortunately for Will Muschamp, I think he is a good coach. I think South Carolina maybe wasn't the best fit for him, but I in the long run, I guess not. After looking at looking at it, his track record, there. he went twenty-eight and thirty at South Carolina, and a, the program that had really been on the on the upswing until. Um, the final years before Muschamp was hired. I mean, you look at the Outback Bowl versus Michigan, South Carolina finished that year ranked inside the top 15, and I think they were trying to continue that success, and they thought Muschamp might bring them there. But the bottom line is if you get four and a half seasons and you finish under 500 uh, collectively through those four and a half seasons, you're not going to have a job in the SEC. That's the bottom line. Um, That's as deep as it gets. But, yeah, it's a really good point, Michael, about – about uh, South Carolina. Now, Austin, did you have any closing thoughts? Other than the uh, South Carolina game, I really just thought overall that Kentucky made a pretty good effort in their game, all things considered, just in the fact Absolutely. that when they lost to Georgia that close, 14-3, and then, of course, they had their week against Mizzou. And you, you, lose, you lose a game. You get you lose a game by eleven points. You're Kentucky mm-hmm. playing at Georgia, but the final score is fourteen to three. You think in the back of your mind, yeah, we lost by double digits, but we could have won that game easily. Right. We have a couple of plays go our way. So yeah, that's a really good exactly. point. They really. They I still really think that they have some on. room to room to get there. Absolutely, and I think they have a good chance to finish over five hundred this year. They're they're three and four right now. It's very possible. Um, it, I think it's absolutely very possible that they finish over five hundred. Um. Real quick closing thoughts for me. I'm going to stray outside the conference a little bit. How in the world is the selection committee going to make up their mind about the college football playoff? Because the way I see it shaking out, Ohio State should go undefeated in the Big Ten. I don't really think anyone disagrees with that, unless they drop a game like they have in years past. They're that good. Indiana's and, coming in hot. Hey, Indiana's coming in hot. I don't think. I think this Indiana's might be a, a one-hit really well wonder type of season for them, though. I, I, will I don't say. think it's I don't think it's a one-hit wonder type of season based on their their past record. They did go eight and five last year under under Tom Allen, and they're they're really they're really improved. Um, and I think the culture has absolutely changed there. I think it's a great culture change. It's great for the program. I think it's bad for the Big Ten, if I'm going to be honest. I think you have teams like Indiana, Northwestern, and Purdue that are inside the top two in both divisions. I think that's bad for the Big Ten. Uh, really quickly straying away, but because those aren't big market teams and there's, I'm sorry, but I think people would tune in to see an Ohio state Michigan game when both teams are undefeated a whole lot more, even though I know that's a bigger rivalry. I think that would be even bigger compounded than an undefeated Ohio state versus Indiana game. Um, So I think it's a little bit bad for the conference ratings wise. I think it's great for college football. I think it's awesome for college football. There's this much parity, but I think, as I was saying, I think Ohio state should win out. I don't, think Indiana has that caliber athletes to compete with Ohio State yet, even if they do have a great program this year, um, a great team this year. Um, Alabama should win the SEC. Unless, I mean, Florida is a great team. I don't think that they're there yet to compete with Alabama this year. I could be absolutely wrong, and they could come in and upset Alabama. I think So I think Ohio State and Alabama are undefeated win their conference. 
I think Notre Dame should lose to Clemson in the ACC championship game by about a touchdown, one or two touchdowns, maybe about 10 points, just my opinion right there. I think a lot of people expect that with Trevor Lawrence, that game be pretty different. So, and then you have four teams right there that feel like they undeniably deserve a bid to the college football playoff. I don't think you can discount Notre Dame or Clemson for having one loss to another team of that caliber to each other. But then you look at the Pac-12 or the, uh, I mean, the Pac-10. You, if you have an undefeated team from that conference, someone's going to get left out. And I don't know how you choose who to leave out because you can't leave out an undefeated conference champion, can you? I'm not sure I would want to. I wouldn't. I don't think you could, but at the same time, just based off the eye test and based off strength of schedule, how could you justify Oregon being a better team than Notre Dame or Clemson? A lot of what's going to be happening here in the selection committee meetings, like even in the next coming weeks too, it's going to be coming down to timing because a lot of these leagues have not started on the exact same date. Obviously, there's about a week or two difference between normal college football seasons. But this year, I mean, there's almost a whole month between a lot of these conferences that are trying to get teams. Yeah, I see see your point, but at the same time. I think that factors into it. I think a lot of people would be mad if you punished a conference for starting the season later because of what they feel like were justified COVID protocols and punish them even with a shortened season by not giving them a seat in the college football playoff. And I think, I mean, even, I think if I'm not mistaken, Oregon's strength of schedule is right about par with Cincinnati's strength of schedule and BYU's. You're not going to – no, I don't think anyone in their right mind would, would say, oh, Cincinnati is, is more deserving of any of these other teams. But the, what criteria do you have to, to, to justify anyone not getting into the college football playoff? Uh, well, I, I would take Cincinnati over, over Oregon. I really would. I, I've – been a fan of Memphis in the past, and I've seen Cincinnati's program. And I, think, I think they're a really good team. I think, I think I would, they're good enough to mm-hmm. beat Oregon. They, I would, I would and I would, I would love, to, I would love to see that, that matchup. Fun matchup. But the, just the the way the college football playoff is built, if Oregon is undefeated and Cincinnati's undefeated, Oregon's getting in before Cincinnati is because they're a Power Five. You looked at UCF all those years, saying that they should have got in, and maybe they should have. But this is, I think, this is absolutely the situation that the college football playoff was not built to handle and they should have been able to handle. And they really, in my opinion, need to expand the, expand the playoff to, to handle this because you look at BYU and Cincinnati are going to finish undefeated. Oregon's probably also going to be undefeated by that. At that point, they're going to be people arguing for seven different teams to be in the college football playoff. They're going to be three teams. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. So let me present to you a scenario where no SEC team might might get in. If Alabama sure. loses to Florida, right? Alabama, if Florida dominates Alabama in an SEC championship game, you've got to try. Then what about A and M? Yeah, because A and M. Then there's A&M about the got three destroyed by A and M. Lost well, and A and M beat Florida by six. So then so. you're gonna so Florida won the SEC championship, and that game was was A and M's first game of the season. So then you're thinking, 
A&M should be in, right? Except how do you put A&M with one loss in the blowout against Alabama over Notre Dame or Clemson, especially if Oregon goes undefeated? So that's just my two cents. I mean, yeah. I, was I feel thinking, like if I was, Florida I'm sorry, I kind of took that. I kind of took that from you, Michael. But I was. I've been thinking about that scenario in my head for for about a week now. And I'm a hundred percent with you. And you also, you're also going to have a lot of other pissed off teams. I'm sorry, at BYU, BYU fans. Yeah. I'm sorry to at you. BYU, as good as they are, needs a miracle to make the playoff. They need. They need Notre Absolutely. Dame to lose another game. They need Oregon to lose a game. They need to blow out everyone. They need Cincinnati to lose a game. That's just that's a lot. That's that's what they need because I honestly I I'm sorry but Notre Dame has played really well recently. I don't think they're gonna. I mean they that Boston College game they won 45-31. They that game was not as close as it was. That was not a two score game. I watched that game and that was not a two score game. Clemson is. is, I'm sorry they're they're not gonna lose any more games. Um, At Alabama's really probably not gonna lose any more games. Florida's not going to lose any more games till the SEC championship. Oregon really shouldn't lose any more games. They've pretty much blown out Stanford and um, uh, Washington State back-to-back weeks. It's as much as I would love to see two minor conference teams like like BYU and like Cincinnati in the playoff. They need something big to happen before they can get in. Like and you, this is right. why we need an, an 18 playoff. But, football playoff. And I, I see the I, – I, I love that idea, but I also see the argument. I'm all in favor makes, for it too, yeah. The playoff makes the argument, okay, you move it to eight teams. Right now, the number nine team in the country is the Indiana Hoosiers. And I think everyone in America would love to see Indiana in the college football playoff besides maybe Purdue fans because that would be ridiculous and that would be a whole lot of parody with an 18 playoff. But you look at that, say Wisconsin loses – to to Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, right? And Indiana goes ahead and beats Wisconsin. Their only loss was to Ohio State in the regular season and say it was within like two touchdowns. Then there's a one-loss Indiana team. It's probably going to be ranked around ninth that doesn't get in. And they're thinking, hey, why are we not in the playoff when, when, uh, when a group of five team like um, – or a group of six team like – uh, BYU or Cincinnati is in. We're a major conference team. So I do see the argument where even if you move it to eight teams, there's always going to be number nine and number 10 that say the people are going to argue, hey, they should have been in the playoff instead of this team. So it's it's really a catch-22, I think. Either way, there's going to be haters, but I think it definitely needs to be bigger than it is now. Yeah, but I think if you can make an argument that's more justified that if you're in the top five, you deserve to be right there. Absolutely. Whereas if you're if you're nine or ten, you've made at least one mistake throughout the year that you can point back to and be like, well, if we hadn't done that, we would have been there. Absolutely. Um, and I think I think one other thing that people have suggested is you take you take five conference champions from the major conferences, you take um, one group of six team, and you take two at-large teams. But in this year's scenario, BYU and Cincinnati – aren't going to lose one of those teams is not getting in and one of those at large teams is getting in that didn't win their conference so I think it's it's a really hard debate that people have been having for years now but I think it's gonna boil over this year and this is the year for something to change and hopefully so I would love to see it to be eight teams yeah and I'm sorry guys to stray away from the SEC this hard but 
I've been thinking about that nonstop, and I can't wait for the college football playoff rankings to come out. But that pretty much wraps up our uh, week recap segment. Um, so we're going to go ahead and move on to the next segment now. Welcome back in to Jackson, our uh, our analytics guy, our our the head of our the head of our analytics, the head of our stats, bringing all these amazing stats that we give you guys during the podcast. So really, just just a huge shout out to Jackson for everything he does because this. Honestly, this is absolute fire, and it's, I wouldn't be able to get all this stuff on my own. So thank you to Jackson. Jackson also brings us our power rankings every week, and that's what we're here to talk about. Um, so without further ado, um, Jackson, if you want to go ahead and, and uh, read off the power rankings for this week, starting from 14, obviously, Vanderbilt, but starting from there. Yeah, um, so with all the COVID postponements of this weekend's games, uh, it's kind of similar to last week without – many big changes, but it starts with Vanderbilt in Tennessee, who, uh, and then South Carolina, who, funny enough, those three people are the fired head coach and the other two hot seats we think there might be. That's, um, that's so a really good like point. That, that's a really good point. I feel like it fits with what I've got at the bottom of power rankings. Um, I, I couldn't give Kentucky too much. I couldn't hurt them for beating Vanderbilt by three, but I didn't really but give you, them much You credit. can't give them the money. Like, I'm not yeah, – after, after Ole Miss's win during the week, and I can't – I can't also hurt Mississippi State for not playing, so I'm not going to move. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can uh, You can harm State. Kentucky. I don't think you can put them any higher, any lower than 11 yeah. or 10 for Kentucky Mississippi State. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, and then, so, I mean, LSU, Missouri didn't play. I, I kind of kept that even. Um, Arkansas. Gets a good point. Arkansas, I, the score ended up being pretty bad, and you can make an argument they could have dropped. But I thought they, I thought they played pretty competitive at the start, um, and I think Florida's just that. I think Florida's just that much better than them that I don't think it really hurts Arkansas being sixth. Absolutely, and then um, and then really no change, uh, five through yeah. one through five. So for those of you who didn't tune in last week or maybe don't know their power rankings, um, right now it's uh, fourteen Vanderbilt, thirteen Tennessee, twelve South Carolina, eleven Kentucky. 10 Mississippi State, 9 Ole Miss, 8 LSU, 7 Missouri, 6 Arkansas, 5 Auburn, 4 Georgia, 3 Texas A&M, 2 Florida, and of course at number 1 Alabama. So Jackson, I think I think uh myself, Michael and Austin probably disagree with you a little bit, but I mean, you're the analytics guy. You're in charge of the power rankings for everyone, not aware the power rankings are basically a success and and a um a uh, progress ranking based on how hot teams are. So Jackson is ranking these teams based on how hot they are at this point in the season. So uh, real quick, Michael, any discrepancies with the power rankings from you? Um, I would definitely put Texas A&M over Florida, surely okay. because they did win in a uh, you know head-to-head matchup earlier in the year. I understand that Florida's definitely improved since then. Uh, I would, I would say that South Carolina should be lower than Tennessee. Okay. I really do think that, especially after the coaching change, I think that, uh, school is in terms of their football program. Yeah, really no loves to the Vols from Jackson. I would agree. I would say I would go ahead and, and put Tennessee in there at 11 in front of Mississippi State, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, just personally. So really no love for the Vols. That's a good point with the coaching change. Yeah. But that's all I've got. I pretty much agree with the rest of it. Yeah. Austin, anything from you? 
Yeah, when you said to move Tennessee up, I think I would take them above those other teams as well, just for the fact that South Carolina and all of them, just they just haven't really been playing as well. So that's pretty much my only difference. Otherwise, I don't really disagree with. I mean, obviously for me, else. I would I would drop Missouri way down the list. I'm just messing with oh, you. Um, <laughs> yeah, only um, probably because we haven't even played in a million years. Well, yeah, Auburn. This is be this will be three weeks since their last game before they play Tennessee. But I mean, obviously, it's you get some good points uh, index, and that those are some good points. Um, I think nobody really has a problem with at least no major problems with one through five or six even. It's really just that back half that that is like – it's pretty much a toss-up, honestly. I I would I could say eight through – probably eight through thir- – number eight through 13, LSU through Tennessee, excluding Vanderbilt, I would be pretty much at a loss as to who would win those games. Um I, I would I would say those are pretty much toss-up games, so I don't envy you for having to having to rank those. But another great weekend of the power ranks, buddies. Everyone, give it up for Jackson. Yes, sir, absolutely great. Um, but uh, another uh, the claps, the claps from all the boys. A little bit delayed through the Zoom podcast, but the claps from all the boys. Um, but yeah, I think another another great week of power rankings. So thank you for thank you for that. And welcome back. And now we will have our pickums. For this weekend's games in the SEC, and we'll do a little bit of a uh, a uh, roundtable discussion round here, discussing yeah, a little, little round robin college game day vibe. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. for sure. It'll be. This is the most fun segment of the. I mean, in my opinion, this is the most fun segment you're gonna have. Hey, the hot takes is fun. Hey, y'all are gonna get oh, yeah. the hot takes coming up after this segment. Hey, no worries, no fret, my children. No, no worries, guys. The hottest, Flaming spiciest hot. takes. But hey, but not right now. Right now, we might give some hot takes on on the weekly pick 'em. You never know. All right, you never know. Yeah, so let's get this started. We've got Florida and Vanderbilt this weekend, gentlemen. Huge game. Even bigger line. Florida favored by 31 and a half, according to ESPN. Oh, my That's right. You heard that right. And it's in Nashville. For everyone, for everyone who who didn't know that we've got on Jackson and we've got our boy Nick Weishar on for the pickums, but uh, I'll go ahead and start this off for the for the for the pickums. Um you said 30 I'm just sorry did you say that right 31 and a half points I did I am reading this right 31 and a half in and it's not Nashville. a typo it's not supposed to be 13 and a half or something it's 31 no, no. And this a is half coming points. from the ESPN oh well yeah. um I'm obviously going to take Florida and I'm going to hammer that 31 and a half that's a bold take right there but 31 and a half Florida the way they played this week I don't care who they put on the field I'll take that 31 and a half and Vanderbilt. Yeah, they got better, but I'm hammering that 31 and a half. And that's a bold take right there. Also, I don't know what the over under is. I'm probably going to hammer that over because I'm just quite honestly, Florida scored 63 points against Arkansas. Vanderbilt's not going to score 35 points against, against Florida like Arkansas did. Vanderbilt's defense also isn't quite as good as Arkansas. I'm hammering that 31 and a half. I'm going to take Florida at in Nashville against Vanderbilt. What say you Mikey? See, last week, I bet against Vanderbilt on, I said, 15, 30, 45 points. I would take it don't Kentucky. Matter. You said, you, hey, said just quote, to quote Michael, you said, you said it don't matter. The yeah, you did say it don't matter. 40, 30, the disrespect 40, is I'm bad. It. You 15, said, you 30, said, quote. 45, I don't care. Said, wait, Florida hold on, hold on, hold on. by 100, no love. I don't care. You said, 
Kyle you said, Trask quote, for Heisman. Ben you said, quote, sucks. That's it. <laughs> That's my I will take. say, you said, quote, you said, quote, last week, I don't care what the line is, Kentucky by 100 against Vanderbilt. Three and points. I'll say it again. Hey, but we were Florida both wrong, but all right. I have to agree with you, though. I got to <laughs> agree with you, though. So you said, you said Florida, and you're taking them minus 31 and a half. And Kyle Trask is going to throw for 500. Ooh, ooh. That's not that hot of a take, though. I, I mean, he did. He threw for three fifty-six last week. That's just he threw for three fifty-six last week. So I, I don't know. And that Vanderbilt defense is, yeah, that be that nice. Vanderbilt little defense suspect. is the yeah, definite is. A little suspect. For um, sure. Uh, yeah. Ooh, ooh, what a take! What a take! All right, how about you, Nick? What do you think about this game? I just want to know what the what it would be if this was a home game for Florida. <laughs> I can only imagine. That's I, a great point. I, could, I can only imagine. This, this is, this, I just want to know if it's going to be over 40. This is what this is <laughs> this is with COVID protocols too. I think I think if it's a home game for Florida and that and Ben Hill uh Griffin Stadium is is rocking. I mean as rocking as it can get against Vanderbilt. Ooh, oh, you're absolutely right. You're Where do you 40. put that line? 40? It would definitely be over 40. It would be over 40 and I would still take that. So let me get so, so yeah, I'm taking Florida. I'm taking that 31 and a half. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. In case anyone was wondering. Wow. Absolutely crazy. And then, and then uh, the last pick would be Jackson. Yeah. You're not going to hear any objection from me on that. <laughs> uh, Five. Hey, that's a little dangerous. The only, the only, the only hope I'd give Vanderbilt at all is that they're protecting Kyle Trask for Kyle Trask Heisman season, and they take him out early. That's the only hope I'd give hey, Vanderbilt and, to cover and, that. And uh, yeah. there were there were four there were four guys that threw passes for Florida last week. Of course, one of them was Kadarius Tony, but they Emory Jones did did go five or six for seven last week. I had a pretty decent showing in the in the game that he did play. So yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that's the hope for Vanderbilt to not get blown out is that. Emory Jones plays the whole second half after after Florida goes up by four touchdowns. Yeah, you. But that's, you really do have to hope here for Vanderbilt. That's a little bit dangerous, it, even anywhere within that. That's a little yeah. bit dangerous, boys. For all yeah. for us to go five for five, wait, wait, Florida wait. I didn't with quite the say spread. what I was going to do yet, though. Okay, 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 Austin. Now, okay, obviously Florida money line, boom, done. They're winning, but. I'm going to take Vanderbilt again two weeks Ooh. in a row. I think that they Ooh, you, you keep were it right within this. Hey, no hey, don't, they did it last week. That, last week was 17 points. They, they kept it, it within three against Kentucky. They did it last week it is different. Kentucky. It this might be different. Florida hey, you, let's, let's calm the hostilities, boys. Let's calm the hostilities. Because, <laughs> I mean, Nick, for all intents and purposes, Austin was right last week, even if it is a difference between Kentucky and Florida. Hey, I cannot believe you keep saying great teams cover about a win six Vanderbilt, but I mean <laughs> hey. you were right last week, so maybe there's something that the other four of us are missing. You know, just a little insider information. Nah, I'm just playing. I, 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 what insider? Nah. What insider? Nah, I'm playing. Please that get just me on that playing. insider. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get the action going to the next game of. The 11 o'clock hour. We got LSU at Arkansas. Gentlemen, LSU is favored by one in this game. Sebastian, Incredible. we'll go ahead and start off. Absolute with you. blasphemy. Um, I cannot believe that line because Arkansas is about to obliterate LSU. I know what I just said. I know how bad Arkansas la- lost last week. LSU is coming off a long, long bye in which they didn't have to play Alabama. And I think if they had to play Alabama, this game would be 
definitely a blowout. I think when they would just got obliterated against Alabama, they'd be playing an Arkansas team, which is three and four now, but very hungry, a very, very um, improved Arkansas team. I'm taking Arkansas money line. I'm taking Arkansas plus one in that game. I can't believe, honestly, I can't believe that LSU is favored. I mean, the last game they played, they got almost 50 pieced by a pretty one dimensional Auburn uh, offense. Um, and I think Arkansas is just, quite frankly, a better team in general. Mm-hmm. How about you, Mikey? What do you think? What are your thoughts on this game? Well, I agree with Sebastian because the sole fact, I think Felipe Franks is just, he is the X factor in this game. Uh, I feel like the fact this is in Hold up, hold up. Is Miles Brennan playing? I don't think he's playing still. I I'm not I'm not no, sure. I, th- I think they have That's replaced hurt. him at quarterback. I think over this this buy they've had, I think they were replacing him at quarterback. Okay, I think I don't believe in TJ Finley. I think he's got potential, but that's that's something I didn't even think about. I don't think it matters. But Michael, as you were saying, yeah, I think Felipe Franks is the X factor here. It's in Arkansas. The fact that LSU's favored is is appalling. Absolutely appalling to me. I, I don't know how that happened. I don't know what bookie decided that was the right move, but uh, I'm definitely taking Arkansas straight up. All righty. How about you, Nick? It is so disrespectful that they favored LSU, honestly, because their defense is horrendous. And I believe that Felipe Franks is going to have a field day against that defense. And Arkansas's coach Pittman, I love what he's doing there. He's doing a hell of a job. So I'm taking Arkansas easily. All right. Now, how about you, Jackson? I'm going to have to agree. I know, I know we don't want to just all join in on the same thing, but I think I would have ta- I would have taken Arkansas if they're favored by four points. I, w- I still would have taken Arkansas. I can't believe they're not favored in this game. I think Felipe Franks is by far the best player. And I do think we have to keep in mind here for this game that, and I've looked at some other sites as well. Some have Arkansas one and a half even, but some of them even have them at Pickham. So they, and of, either way, a lot of these books are thinking this is going to be a close game. So I think it doesn't think have to be just right, ESPN awesome. that's ragging on Arkansas here, though. I think but if we look it at it, could them, be close um, according to these you, bookies. You're, you're looking at the ESPN line is, is, um, is uh, LSU by a point. I think, what'd you say, the line on the score was Arkansas one minus and one and a half? And then mm-hmm. this, the Bleacher Report, the line is, is it's pick them. It's, it's a zero. It's, yeah. uh, there's yeah. no line right now still for the Arkansas LSU game. Um, just a straight up money line over under set at 66, which I think is actually pretty accurate. Um, but yeah, you look at Arkansas versus the spread is six and one. Their only their only loss uh, was their only loss against the spread was Florida. So that's that's a really good point. There's a lot of discrepancy about this game. I think a lot of people disagree about how it's going to go. And then now for my pick, you know, I think I'm just going to have to go with Arkansas. Just side with y'all. I won't be uh, a little deviant. I'm like just like the last pick, but uh, I do think I have Arkansas in this one as well. All right, that's but, that's dangerous to go five for five yeah. like that. Yeah, because when know, we're all hey. wrong, it's going to look really bad. Hey, well, 
We'll see what happens on Saturday. Hey, I we'll guess. see. We'll see. We'll see. Now moving into the afternoon. Weekend. Yeah. Moving in the afternoon, Kentucky and Alabama playing in Brian Denny, Alabama on ESPN, favored by 30. How are we feeling oh, about this my one, Sebastian? Gosh. Yeah, I'm going to take Bama money line. Um, of course, I don't think that's any question um, at all. Um, and it's, it's, I will say, it's hard to not take Alabama minus 30 when I took Florida minus 31 and a half, right? When Ford is playing Vanderbilt, Alabama's playing Kentucky, and they basically played each other down to the line. That's that for me would basically be like saying Ford is better than Alabama, but I, I really do believe that this game is going to be closer than 30 points. I, it's not like at this point in the season, I think Alabama has their sights set on the SEC championship. I think they jump up by three touchdowns and coast to an easy victory, but I don't think it's going to be 30 points. I think Kentucky is at least going to play a little bit better with a little bit fire under them after the their really close win against Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt uh, last weekend. But uh, I guess next would be Michael. Well, see, the thing is, I'm predicting like a 56-3 to victory Alabama over Kentucky. Wow. Uh, this Kentucky team is one-dimensional. Alabama is going to stomp Kentucky to the ground. I mean, they're, Kentucky's leading passer has yet to eclipse – 750 yards passing and uh their leading rusher is yet to eclipse 600 yards so that shows a overall lack of offense and then you take into account alabama's defense you're they get better every week they get better every week i don't think kentucky's scoring a touchdown and i think that alabama's just gonna just walk kentucky out of tuscaloosa it's gonna be embarrassing That's that's a bold call. So, what would you say, you Nick? Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Michael. I don't think this game is gonna be close. I think Alabama is just gonna run all over them with Najee Harris. I think Mac Jones is gonna have another typical Mac Jones day where he can throw for 400, get Devontae Smith two touchdowns, and Kentucky's one-dimensional, like Michael said earlier, and Alabama is gonna make them throw the ball and yeah it's not going to be pretty alabama taking that 30 all right jackson any thoughts about this game uh i'm i'm gonna have to agree with taking bama here i mean they they scored 38 is the fewest they scored all season they've just been lined up scoreboard and the problems you had was their defense and you th- I, th- I was worried when they played Georgia, they might get dominated by their defense. They stood up there, and then they just kept on. I mean, 41-0 against Mississippi State, against this Mike Leach spread offense. That's the last time we saw their defense. I can't, I can't see them do that to Mississippi State and think they won't outscore Kentucky by at least 30. That, yeah, that is a very real possibility. And you know what, boys? We might have to go a full sweep here again. I'm going to go with Alabama myself. No, no, no. I took, I took Kentucky. I, no, no, t- I took Kentucky plus. Seven. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 My bad. Good point. So, Best I'm going to join the crowd and the jump off that bridge as well. The Alabama. Wolf. Join us, Austin. Yes. Yes. Joining the crowd here. Alabama minus 30. That's what I've got for sure. But now, a little bit of a closer matchup here. 
for the night games. Tennessee at Auburn in Jordan Hare. Auburn favored by 10 in this game. Yeah, Sebastian, no, it, let's go it, with you. The I, man I hate who's favorite, to be a homer, the Auburn fan. I, I hate to be a homer, but no, nah, it ain't going to be close. Um, I think Bo Nix is Bo oh. Nix has one loss in his career at home. I guess a really good Georgia team last year. Other than that, he's basically been nothing short of what everyone thought he was going to be coming this year when he plays at home. Um, I think Tennessee's defense gave up 34 points to Kentucky. Uh, it's just a really bad offense, as, as we've seen throughout the year. It's not a good offense. And I think at home, under the lights of Jordan Hare, the whole stadium is only filled with students. It's still going to be rocking there. Um, and another thing, not even related, but really cool. Auburn has a new lights display. A lot of like the stuff that goes on in Athens. That's going to be ridiculously awesome. I think 10 points is probably a really fair line, honestly. I think that's really fair based on both teams, the way they're trending. I think if you would, this game would have been earlier in the season, I might have taken Tennessee in this game. But Tennessee's lost their last five games. They're going on the road at number 23, Auburn. I think Auburn's trending in the right direction. They've had three weeks to practice. They've known their game was postponed for against Mississippi State last week. It's been postponed for it was postponed for all that week. So they've had all this time to prepare, even if they couldn't be in the facility to prepare for a Tennessee team that frankly hasn't done a whole lot this year. I'm taking Auburn money line. I'm taking Auburn minus 10. I think it's not going to be very close. All right. How about you, Mikey, the Tennessee fan, the opposition? What do you have for this weekend's game? Well, my head says that Auburn's probably going to cover. But my heart, Tennessee all day, you know how it is. I mean, that's a homer pick. Sebastian, that's a homer that's Sebastian pick. said he that's hates so to be cap. a homer. I don't hate to be a homer. I'm going to go ahead and say it. This Come is, on, bro. That's cap. I, You're so wait, let me get this straight. You're taking Tennessee money line? Yes. Yes, I am. Ooh. So, I think Eric Gray hate to see it. is, is going to run all over the Auburn defense. I really do. Jared Garantano just has to not throw this game away. Uh, so, I'm, I don't think it's going to be a very high-scoring game. I really don't. What's the over-under on that game? Is, is, it, is it 60? Did I see that right? I could be thinking of another 60. game. 60. I could be thinking no. of another game. Can't be I think I'm thinking of another game right now because that would be ridiculous. You've got to be thinking of another game. I don't believe well, so. Let me check real quick at the over-under is because I think I think you've got a point, Michael. It could be a, a lower scoring game than a lot of people think. Um, the over-under is at 49 and a half, so I was absolutely wrong. I was thinking of a different game. Um, yeah, the over-under – um, Mizzou, South Carolina is a little bit closer than that. It's closer to 60. I think I was thinking of that. But, um, yeah, the over-under is 49 and a half. Ooh. That's, I, I honestly, that's probably right. That's probably right. Around I can see that. points. I really do. Like, in hey, but I will part. say the betting line right now, 75% of people are taking Auburn minus 10. That's a little bit disrespectful. Yeah, that's a little bit disrespectful. I, I would say that's disrespectful, but I'm still taking Tennessee. Being a homer on this one. Uh, yeah. All right. All right. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Hey, I'll be in there in Jordan Hare this weekend when they win. Oh, man. What you got, Nick? Uh, throw, in, throw in your hat to the ring and see 
See, if, who are you siding with? If Michael thinks Eric Gray is going to run over Auburn, I think Tank Bigsby, Bigsby is going to run over, over Tennessee. Facts. I don't. Facts. There, these are two teams that are headed in two opposite directions. Tennessee doesn't have any confidence in their quarterback. And uh, who's Auburn's, even going to play for Tennessee this weekend? Exactly, and Auburn's coming off of a high of beating LSU or embarrassing LSU a couple of weeks ago, and I think Auburn's going to ride that high and wallop Tennessee. So you're taking ten, or you're taking Auburn money line and minus ten. Oh yeah, I'd have to be a fool not to. Oh, oh, that's <laughs> oh, some hard man. words. That's some hard words. Oh man, come on, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hey. got, Jackson? I can only imagine. I'm right there. As soon as I heard him say Eric Gray is going to run over Auburn, my first thought was Tank Bigsby. I'm. I think Tank Bigsby when outrushes Eric Gray. I think Auburn probably, based off that, would have more time of possession and just dominates the game. I don't know if Auburn's going to. I think Auburn will cover ten, but I I don't feel much more confident than maybe fourteen. I want to I want to take him over fourteen. All right, fair enough, fair enough. You know what? I believe that Auburn will win this game for sure. But the the spread it has me a little nervous. It has me a little nervous. Ooh. But Ooh. I do have Auburn winning. Come on, be a fellow SEC East analyst with me, Austin. Come on. I can't see it. I don't trust Tennessee as much, Mikey. I don't. I don't think Tennessee that they are trending in the right direction. Five, Michael. Chill out, y'all. Two and two and four. Hey, and you know what the saying is. You know what the saying is. Is the best team, at least the saying at Auburn, is the best team in the SEC West is Auburn at home in November. I mean, they you just don't lose in November. Anytime other outside of that, and anytime on the road, it's gonna be rough. But Auburn at home in November, that's tough. That's a tough game, regardless. It's just be like it'd just be like playing a good Tennessee team in Nayland Stadium. It's tough, dude. It's really tough. It is, and it's gonna be tough. And I don't. I hate to be a homer about this, games. but I I think even from on the outside looking in, just that the trajectory of these two programs. That's just my thoughts. I think I think it'll be close until the fourth quarter, but I think it'll be over by a couple touchdowns. All right, now to another night game. We have Mississippi State at Georgia. In Sanford Stadium, Georgia is favored by 25. Wow. Um, 25. Well, to kick it off, I'm going to say Sanford Stadium is an absolutely daunting place to play for any team, Um, especially at night. And especially if you're Mississippi State, whose offense has been pretty much dreadful, this season outside of the LSU game. Um, yes, you've had some time off. Um, didn't have to play last week. But I think, oh, first of all, Georgia money line. Uh, that's pretty obvious. Um, I'm also going to take Georgia, uh, would you say 25? I'm going to take Georgia minus 25. Um, yep. And here's why. Um, I really, I just want to point back at Mississippi State went on the road to Kentucky and scored two points. Um, then it was those, it was a safety. It was defensive points. So really that's a, that's a 22 point game at Kentucky. Kentucky just beat Vanderbilt by three points. 
obviously that's not a great Kentucky team that they got blown out by. I really don't think Mississippi State's defense is good at all. Um, and I think Banner, or even Georgia, with how uninspiring their offense has been this year, it's going to be able to run the ball really well against Mississippi State. So I'm going to take uh, Georgia money line and minus 25. All right. How about you, Mikey? Georgia overall, Mississippi State money line because Georgia's strong. You mean plus twenty five. That's the spread. What I was, yeah, they're taking they're taking the spread. Anyways, uh, as I was saying, Georgia their strong point on defense is not allowing the rush, whereas Mississippi State they are sub thirty rush yards off per game on the season. So you're going to see Mississippi State trying to pass the That's ball a, good a lot. Point. That's a really good point. And Georgia's not necessarily the best in terms of their their pass defense. So I think Mississippi State will be able to get enough points on the board to keep it within 25 points. All right. How about you, Nick? Georgia's going to win, but it's not going to be by 25 because I don't trust any of Georgia's quarterbacks. I mean, Stetson Bennett hasn't been impressive. Dewan Mathis, I think, has potential, but I think he's young. Um, if Georgia wins by more than 25, it's going to be because their defense gets a couple of pick sixes or something, and I don't see that happen, even, even though they got one against Florida. But I still think Georgia's too good, and I do like their defense, but their offense is suspect, and I don't, I don't see their offense putting up that many points to beat Mississippi State by 25, even though it's a home game. So Nick, keep in mind that Mississippi State has thrown 14 interceptions. So I don't think pick sixes are as far outside the realm of, realm of possibility as you might think. I will say, Nick, you make good points in, in the fact that Georgia's quarterback play has been, has been lackluster to say. But I think – you look at the beginning of the season, Georgia started out with a 39-10 win against Arkansas. And obviously we know how good Arkansas is this year. They're not as bad as we thought. And then go ahead and pretty much clown Auburn 7-6. And that Auburn team started out rough, but it's kind of progressed this year. And they're back inside the top 25. So that's not a bad win now either. Um, so I think if, if you're, t you're looking at the Georgia team from those first two games, I think it's kind of a no-brainer. I think we can all agree that they're going to blow out Mississippi State. But if you're looking at the Georgia team of late, I mean, that would have me reconsider. I'm not going to change my, my pick of, right. of Georgia minus 25, but it's it's a different conversation. It definitely does make you think. That's fair. That's fair. I like that point. I mean, they did look really good in their first couple of games against a really improved Arkansas team and a solid Auburn team. But, I mean – I mean, they, they run the ball well, Georgia does, but I don't know if that's going to be enough to win by 25. Because, I mean, we all thought Stetson Bennett was going to be the guy, and now we don't know if it's either him or Dewan Mathis or I don't know where JT Bennett is. I think they should just throw him in there because I think he's better JT than both Daniels, of them. JT Daniels, yeah. You got a point. Well, JT, JT Daniels, Daniels we there. don't even know if it's healthy, but um, that's, that's some really good points. Um, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of agreeing with your point about the Georgia late has me suspect. I mean, 
kind of embarrassed by Alabama. I mean, they downplayed Kentucky. I, I know we brought up that Kentucky, that Mississippi State also played horrible against Kentucky. But, I mean, Georgia's season points per game average is under 30, right at 29. Right at 29. I just – I think I think that the only way that they do beat Mississippi State is with some, with some errors that Mississippi State forces on themselves. Um, Beats them by 25. I think they're going to beat them overall. Just by 25, I'm not so sure. All right, fair enough. For me, I do think that Georgia is going to come out of this with a win pretty handily, but I don't think it's going to be by 25. I definitely do have Mississippi State covering that spread just for the fact that Georgia hasn't been on the best trajectory uh, thus far in this part of the season. And I do think that Mississippi State does look – pretty good in the sense that they could probably put up enough points just because of their air raid system that they will be able to put up enough points to cover that spread. But let's move on to the last game in the SEC schedule this week. We have Mizzou at South Carolina and my Tigers are favored by six in this game. So we'll start up with, we'll start off with you, Sebastian. What do you yeah, think? It, well, they're game? playing, they're playing at South Carolina. Correct. Nah, it don't matter. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but South Carolina is heading in the wrong direction, and I think it they they made the right choice to um, remove Will Muschamp as their head coach. But and I think there is a chance that this team comes fired up with a new interim head coach in. But uh, I think Mizzou is is considerably better than South Carolina. I think the line is a little bit disrespectful to South Carolina because Mizzou hasn't played in a while. But I think. It's going to be Mizzou money line. It's going to be Mizzou minus six. I think I'll take the minus 10. All I'm um, saying is definitely. there's a reason that this game is on the All right, how about you, Mikey? Network. These are two garbage teams. I mean, my bad. <clears throat> I mean, I. Ooh, the yeah, harsh yeah, words. Yeah, oh, yeah. Whatever, man. Whatever, whatever, whatever. Oh, my Tigers. <laughs> Hell, really? Oh, we Jackson, have the same number hey, of wins this hey, season. You might have beaten us, but that's so, hey, that. Jackson. It is Tennessee Hate Week for us in Auburn right no, now, so I, I can, I can, <laughs> I can understand uh, that. So let's think about this. Uh, I think South Carolina is is going to cop this dub. I really do. I, I do, I do. I think it's going to be a really, really. I, I do, I do. Even after Mizzou beat them thirty-four to fourteen uh, last year, I think it's going to be extremely wow. close. Hey, it's uh, bold I, takes. Okay. Hey, it's a bold take. I yeah. don't have a preference necessarily for for either team, but I think that uh, Harris is going to go off in this game. I mean, he has been all year, and uh, the rush yards that Mizzou averages is over a hundred. It's not looking good on that on that front, but. At the same time, South Carolina is allowing 470-ish yards per game. So if Mizzou can get something going on the offensive end and get rolling, I don't think South Carolina is going to stop. But uh, my gut's telling me to take South Carolina. All right. How about you, Nick? I'd say Mizzou wins by more than 10. I don't like where South Carolina's going as a team. And I think Mizzou's at least decent when they put in Basilak as a quarterback. And I like Roundtree at running back a lot. And I think their defense 
can hold their own. So I think all that combined will get the job done against South Carolina to beat them by more than 10. All right. And Jackson, how about you? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would give – there's two things I'd give South Carolina a chance to fight harder than you'd expect based off, like, the interim head coach is going to bring some passion to the team. And Missouri, it's either – it's going to go one of two ways from Missouri. Either this three weeks off is going to have them ready to go and just absolutely demolish South Carolina or they're going to be lazy. But I think Missouri's had some – but honestly, a better season than I thought they'd have this season. I think they're they're ready to win another game that they should win and keep them moving. So I'm going to take Missouri to cover the spread uh, at six points. All right. And for me, I definitely do have Mizzou uh, on money line and spread. But I do think it's going to be pretty close. It, Mizzou probably will keep this within nine between South Carolina. But I do think it'll be a good game overall for the fact that Larry Roundtree will – be able to run all over that South Carolina defense and they won't be able to keep up with anything that he throws at them. And I think that Nick Bolton's going to cause a lot of trouble for South Carolina up front, whether it be the run game or for the pass game. So beyond that, I think that Mizzou will definitely be able to get it out this weekend. So that's it for our uh, SEC pick them. Spicy pick them this week. A spicy oh yeah, one. for sure. And welcome back. We've got the fieriest, the spiciest, the flamiest hot takes for you guys here. Maybe not flamiest. I mean, Michael's already dropped some hot takes, <clears throat> the UT Auburn game. Michael but came out swinging. Michael came out swinging in that pick Ooh, taking South Carolina and Tennessee. Hey, hey, you like the boldness, though. You like the boldness. But we got our hot take segment for you guys right now. Myself, Austin Wright, Michael Lenahan, Nick Weishar, and Jackson, too, all on here with some hot takes for you guys. And I'm going to go ahead and start you guys off with something uh, a little more unconventional. I actually have a couple of hot takes. One of them maybe doesn't pertain to the games it's themselves exactly. My first little m- baby hot take is going to be that before we kick off this weekend, two more games are going to get postponed. Just the way everything's been going. That's my baby hot take right there. Um, my real hot take is, though, uh, Tank, Bibbs, Tank Bigsby's going to run for 200 yards and two touchdowns. I think he's had so much time to rest and get ready and against the Tennessee defense, which isn't bad. Their linebacker core has actually been playing relatively well this year, and their defensive line isn't terrible. But I don't think they're quite where they should be at least based on the talent they have. And Auburn's coming off of three weeks of not playing. Tank Bigsby, Tank Bigsby is going to be in a really healthy spot right now, and he's only gotten better with time. So Tank Bigsby, 200 yards, two touchdowns. So next I think we have Nick. My hot take for this week is that Kyle Trask has another performance this week against Vanderbilt like he did last week against Arkansas, if not better the six touchdowns I think he can easily get against this variable defense. And I say he throws for at least 400 yards. Mm, that's a solid hot take right there. It's hot, but it makes sense at the same time. Something you love to see. All right, Michael. Uh, my hot take is definitely going to be with Mississippi State. I think that they're going to get 375 pass yards. And they're actually going to average more touchdowns and interceptions this week. Uh, That's a so spicy take. That is that honestly. That's just, I mean, as sad as it is, 
for all you for all you Hale State fans out there, that's kind of a spicy take. So that's that's my take this week. All right, Jackson. Uh, my spicy take is regarding South Carolina, new coach, uh, kind of a struggling quarterback. I think, I mean, the run game's been pretty nice for him, but I think Ryan Holinsky is going to take back his spot he had last year. I thought, I honestly Ooh. thought he was pretty impressive as a true freshman last year. Um, and you I think, think Colin he Hill deserves, gets benched. Yeah, I think Ryan Holinsky deserves another shot, and I think if they're struggling, they'd put him in. I, I, I think there's, you've got a point there against a lackluster. Um, Ole Miss defense, Colin Hill last week went 17 for 28, 230 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Um, of course, of course, they ran the ball really well, but Colin Hill did not put up maybe what he should, and he is, if I'm not mistaken, graduating after this year. So this might be this might be a change of the guard. You have a really good point, Jackson. All right, Austin. For me, I've got LSU and Arkansas this week. For the over-under in this game, I think it's going to go under this week. It's rare for many people to bet the under, especially between teams that are like what's this. The, and what's the over-under on this game? It is 64 and a half. Ooh, for this that's game. spicy to bet the, the, the under. I the... think that this game could be under. And the reason being, these teams are not that great, fellas. They're not that great. I don't know. I think their Arkansas. defenses are going to be able to hold it's each other's team, offenses. Hey, don't do Coach Pitt hey, like Arkansas, that. Arkansas and, and Indiana right now are America's teams. Teams nobody thought oh, was going to do well. Like teams that are greatly outperformed. Hey, that's that's America's team right there, no matter who you are. Hey, <laughs> Michael, you just Arkansas disagree. Arkansas has as many week. losses as Tennessee, as State. Hey, as... Arkansas has three wins. Yeah, but you got to factor all this They're in. They're improving from where they were last year. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. We'll Think see. About it. We'll Arkansas see. is the most yeah. improved team. That, hey, I, I like the take, though. I think it's a spicy take. I like but it. But, yeah, the hot take, under. All right, so that wraps up our hot take segment. Sizzling hot. And we're not talking about takes. We're talking about the seat, the hot seat. And this season, there seems to be a lot of SEC coaches on the hot seat. Um, we just saw it this weekend. Will Muschamp got fired from South Carolina after going 28 and 30 in uh, four and a half seasons, but he's not the only one. That's what we're going to talk about in this segment. Um, there's a few coaches I think we can all agree on. Um, there's actually two coaches I think we can all agree on being being Derek Mason and uh, Jeremy Pruitt that are definitely on the hot seat, potentially Gus Malzahn, um, depending on how the season wraps up. But um, it's really been – not quite what we expected from any of these programs this season, except for potentially Vanderbilt. But um, starting starting at Tennessee, Michael, how can you justify Jeremy Pruitt having a job after this season? I can justify Jeremy Pruitt having a job after this season in terms of his personnel that are on the field, which, I mean, obviously it's a coach's job to get the right players out there naturally of course it, yeah. it comes with the territory and at the end of the day the record's going to come back on that coach but you can also look at the fact that you haven't had a decent quarterback in a few years i mean i i think our last good quarterback that really comes to my mind I'm obviously josh dobbs and then in terms of a pure passer was like tyler bray uh and that's been I don't know 10 years something like that so that's that's something that you have to look at and for uh Jimmy Pruitt I think this Auburn game 
is going to be a huge, huge factor in terms of how people look at him uh, in the coming weeks. Because if we get blown out by Auburn, he is he's he's going to be looking rough. I mean, I think that's a great point, and I think that goes both ways. I think if if Jeremy Pruitt gets blown out at Auburn, I think you might as well you might as well start looking around for a new coach. I think that that could be it. I, th- I think if, at that point you move to two and five on the season after being ranked as high as what? 15th this uh, I year. I believe so. 15th. I can't, I can't quite remember if it's 15th or 13th. That's my mistake. But I think if you move to two and five this year, after being ranked that highly starting, starting two and oh, you've lost your last five games. And there's really, like you said, it's the coach's job to get the right personnel on the field. And really at this point, I think this is Pruitt's what third year as Tennessee head coach third or fourth year yes, that, that sounds right yeah um I think at that point you can't say oh well these aren't Jeremy Pruitt's guys these are Butch Jones guys I think this is by now these are Jeremy Pruitt's guys and I think you're two and five this year with the kind of recruiting classes he's been bringing in because he's not a bad recruiter that's going to be hard to justify a bad loss at Auburn and I think if you're Gus Malzahn on the other hand I think at the beginning of the season the hot seat was a little bit hotter it seems like he's perpetually on the hot seat at some point in the season because I for, for some reason Auburn fans accept, expect a national championship every year. But um, I think if Gus Malzahn goes ahead and loses to Tennessee at home and then you have Alabama and A&M later in the year and you maybe lose both those games, I think Gus Malzahn, that seat is really, really hot. It's really, really hot, especially if you're Gus Malzahn and you let Malik Willis go, who quite frankly is tearing it up at Liberty. And I think that's it's going to be hard to justify Gus Malzahn having a job. Um, but both those coaches, I think, could – there's a really good chance they both have a job after this season too. So seat's definitely hot, but I don't know if either program's going to jump ship. I think especially not Auburn with Malzahn's contract being as expensive as it is. But going ahead and, and looking at one of the rivals of Tennessee, not that you could call it much of a rivalry of late, um, Vanderbilt, uh, Derek Mason is – probably on just about the hottest seat there is i would say so it's pretty much on fire that's how much it is it's, it's pretty much he's he's it's not pretty on much on seat. fire if you if you had to look at it especially for this season of all of his ashes. seasons the wooden chair he's been sitting on is pretty much i mean yes burnt. the chair is not hot he is just on fire right now and not yeah. in a good way yeah the chair is crumbling i mean if you look at Derek mason's records year by year that he's been at vanderbilt Three and nine, four and eight, six and seven, you lose in an Independence Bowl. Five and seven, six and seven, but you lose in the Texas Bowl. Three and nine. And then this year, of course, you're at 0 and six already. And I think if if maybe Vanderbilt had had a six and six season last year and now they're they're 0 and six right now, I think maybe there's a difference. But the fact that you went you went from six and seven to three and nine to 0 and six. And granted I don't right. think anyone expected Vanderbilt to compete in the SEC and not having those out of conference games does hurt. But well, to not win really any of them years like that. To not win any games is is atrocious. And I, I love Derek Mason. I think he's a great guy. Um I I I had the pleasure of meeting him once in high school. I think he's an absolute great guy. But I am sad to say I don't know if he's right for the job anymore. I think the first couple of years maybe were a little bit clouded as far as as how appropriate it was to to attribute positive results to him because 
James Franklin had his guys in there, right? And James Franklin right. has right. gone on to have incredible success at Penn State, mm-hmm. barring this year. Um, uh, but and now I think Derek Mason's guys are there, and it just seems to snowball and get worse and worse. So I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, uh, before we end the segment, um, Will Muschamp out at South Carolina. Where do you think they go from here as far as a uh, coaching change would be? Well, I, I, I've been following who they're looking at for candidates, but I think that they're, they're going to pick up some defensive coordinator from some probably Big Ten school. Like It seems like every – Seems every like SEC. everyone goes goes <laughs> every SEC coach is, is a is a coordinator at another major conference. You're right. I don't SCT doesn't do a lot of head coaching hires. I mean, with the exception of of a uh, of Lane Kiffin um, coming from coming from a, a head coaching job, but I think you're right. I think I think there's a good chance they they look at one of these uber successful teams with a good defense, and because South Carolina obviously gave up 59 points to Ole Miss this. this uh, weekend needs defense um but I, I think you're right I think a coordinator is a safe bet but you look at the other side side um Hugh Freeze is having a great year at Liberty and I know he yeah. had his chance and he's in the, in the SEC, conversation to and he coach. kind of screwed over Ole Miss a little bit and got in a little bit of trouble there so I think if as a program you're ready to give Hugh Freeze another chance in the SEC that would be a pretty – I think that would be a pretty smart move. Um, will Hugh Freeze leave for South Carolina or will he get a better offer? It's yet to be determined because I think there's a couple other SEC schools that if they fire their coach wouldn't love to have Hugh Freeze. I think another candidate, at least before the season, that I thought one of these teams might go after was P.J. Fleck. I think now as badly as Minnesota's doing, I think – maybe and I don't know if PJ Fleck would leave for anything other than a great program that was a little bit down so I think that's pretty much not an option anymore and so I don't really see a whole lot of candidates if I'm going to be honest with you guys if if we're talking about Hugh Freeze going to South Carolina I don't see a more ideal position out there for him because South Carolina is in a spot where they don't necessarily expect to be competing for an SEC title every year, but they don't the expect it. Yeah. They don't expect a national champion. At the same time, they don't, they're not like bottom of the floor, like Vanderbilt and they're not Absolutely. getting any athletes in there. So it's Absolutely. really that, that nice middle ground. If you're a head coach where it's, it's a really safe job for you to take. Absolutely. And I, I think of these, of these four, <clears throat> of these four programs, or of the three active coaches that we talked about on the on the hot seat, RIP Will Muschamp. Um, I think Gus Malzahn is probably still going to have a job. As hot as this seat gets, he'll pull something out probably at the end of the year um, and beat a team that he shouldn't and end up with three losses on the year and lose a bowl game, um, and he'll keep his job, especially because of how valuable his contract is. And I think credit – I think that some credit does go to him for turning things around a little bit this season because their defense, quite honestly, their defensive line isn't what it has been. You lose Derek Brown and Marlon Davidson. Those are two of the best defensive linemen in the country. Derek Brown was one of the best defensive linemen ever in the SEC statistically. 
and then Marlon Davidson was a force to be reckoned with at the same time, and Auburn's prided themselves on the defensive line, and now they have a lot of guys who haven't got a lot of snaps. So I think it's admirable what he's done to turn the program around so far this season, but I think his seat is still hot. Um, I think he'll keep his, keep his job. I really don't think Jeremy Pruitt or Derek Mace are going to have a job after this year. Um, I think it's hard to see. I think there are three coaching jobs. At least, I mean, yeah, you you could definitely make a case for Pruitt having to leave this season. But I, I feel like the program, like the university as a whole, for Tennessee, actually could keep Pruitt and try to stick it out one more season. And a lot of these teams might be thinking along the same lines. It's COVID. It's a lot different. Exactly. We all had to do something different this year. So that's a, still a real possibility for everybody to just call it even and just wait I think, one more year. I think you're absolutely right. I think there's a potential that there are four coaching changes in the SEC this year. I think there's also a potential that there are there is one, and Derek Mason, Jeremy Pruitt keep their job. I think maybe the Will Muschamp firing was slightly premature, um, but at the same time, you can't there you can easily justify it, but. Um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, any closing thoughts? Um, let's keep in mind that there is no requirement for the amount of games you have to win to get into a bowl game this year. That's very true. So That's let's, very let's true. That too, yes. These teams could be, you know, three and seven, four and six going into some random bowl game and absolutely blow out some team that's considered mediocre to, to better than absolutely. they are, and it could save their position. Absolutely. I think you're right. Um, yeah, that's that's some really good points. So that pretty much wraps up the segment. Let's go ahead and move on. Y'all, let us know. Shoot us a DM on Instagram or Twitter if you have anything you disagree with. As always, um, please, please go ahead. Go ahead and get on that phone that you spend way too much time on. You know, Get it open. Use that little face ID that the government's definitely tracking you with. Log into your phone real quick. Hit that Instagram. Hit that. Hit that rainbow logo with the with the camera in it. Go ahead, and and search up South of the Line Sports. All one all one thing. No no special characters. All undercase South of the Line Sports. Hit us with the follow on Twitter. The tag is South of the Line One, capital S, but it's all one. South of the Line One. Go ahead and look up our website, SouthoftheLineSports.com. Right there. Hey, and if you want to. Even contact us at Gmail or on any of our social media. Our Gmail is south of the line sports at gmail.com. Super easy across the board. Y'all hit us up with, with your thoughts, with your opinions. If you have any hot takes, hit us up. If you want to come on the podcast, if you're an athlete or just a fan and you want to be a part of a segment, you've got some takes, hit us up or on our, at our Gmail or go to our website and the contact section and send us something to our mailbox. But please, please and the girls, hit us up. Go follow us. Become a tier one for the boys and right before we log off for you guys big shout out to our and the girls and the girls hey it's, it's about the boys though the girls become some of the boys i mean that's just how it is you're one of the boys but real quick i want to have a big shout out to our very own joey leonardo he's a great journalist he is also our audio guy he's pulling a lot of weight big big shout out for joey right now um so thank you joey for everything you do all right we need a round of claps for the boy big joe Yes, sir. The delayed claps on Zoom. You love to hear them. Um, but absolutely great job, Joey. Really appreciate it. But that wraps up this week's episode. Y'all go go Peace. hit us with a follow on everything and a like. And we can't wait to see you guys next weekend for another SEC Roundup. Peace. Peace.